And we are back. Welcome to Utter Descent. I'm your host, Brian, and with me this week, I've got Eric. Hey, what's up? So this is episode 22 of Utter Descent. Um, We're doing something a little bit different as part of our review of the Halo series leading up to the release of Halo Infinite. We're going to talk today about the book, The Fall of Reach. Uh, We decided to do this because there's a lot of stuff in the Halo games that's kind of unclear and they don't really touch upon in terms of the the lore and in terms of explaining you know who certain characters are and a little bit more information about how we end up where we're at in these various games so because we're doing the games in chronological order in the universe not in terms of when they were released irl um we're going to start with reach hence why we're going to do the book the fall of reach which documents everything leading up to and including the events that occur in that in that game yeah and i'd say that frankly they kind of do a pretty garbage job after maybe halo 2 definitely after halo 3 they do a very garbage job of actually keeping you in track of what exactly is happening most of the time i mean yeah you can follow it from uh yeah i'm just playing this campaign because i enjoy playing first person shooter campaign kind of thing Mm -hmm. like okay i gotta go to this objective not sure why but whatever i gotta turn off those nodes sounds like an easy enough and i'm gonna have some fun while i'm doing it but like most of the time it's really hard to tell what the overarching story is because they don't do like uh they don't do like the good old like star wars prologue text that gives you context for what's happening most of the time they Mm -hmm. they usually just kind of throw you in and say yeah your objective is to go get get this thing go do it and i'm like wait a minute i want to have (laughs) yeah like i need a story here and you're not you're not providing me with a lot of uh background context for a lot of the happenings especially in halo reach i gotta be honest i've been playing through it and prep for the next uh podcast and it i'm noticing a lot more because i'm paying attention now but i'm I'm i have a lot more questions than i did when i first played the game (laughs) (laughs) because when i first played the game i was just playing through because i was like you know super pumped about the new halo game and i was just enjoying the fact that i'm playing a halo game but i didn't really didn't really notice how much of the story really wasn't mentioned in the game itself and then and then i tell brian like yeah that game's storyline was ass and then he's like no man it was totally rocking so good and i'm like (laughs) I think you might be. What are you talking I about? Think you might be having a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. To be fair, I never said Halo Reach had a good story. I was talking about Halo Four. Yeah, you were talking about Halo Four, and you were definitely <laughs> having a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> well, so to piggyback on on your comment there, I, <laughs> despite my stroke, um, Halo Reach and Halo Four are the two that made me start reading the books. Because I finished off Halo Reach feeling exactly the same way that you did, which was, that was a lot of fun. I don't really know what happened, but that was a lot of fun. And then I hit four and I'm like, okay, I can't even ignore how much I don't understand what's happening right now. And when I went back to play uh, Reach and Halo 4 in prep for, uh, I guess, Halo 5. I don't think I read them before that. I think I was playing them for Halo 5 and I was like, I really don't know what's going on. I need to start reading the books. And that's when I delved into all of them and and realized that Halo 4 does make sense, but only if you go through at least four books. (laughs) And you see, I did read uh, one Halo book, which I think was Harvest, Harvest Mm -hmm. something, 
I don't know. I thought it was a fun book, but I feeling I was in the middle of some series. <laughs> it didn't didn't quite line up with what I. I don't know. I kind of wanted like the big overarching. Here is how the humans got out into space. Here's who the Covenant are. Here's how their structure is organized. Here's any other competing alien races around. You know, like I, I wanted like a big overview and then a story so that I understood mm-hmm. the real setting. It felt like they kind of assumed that I knew stuff. In my opinion, I thought they assumed I knew stuff because I played the games. But the reason I'm going to the book is because the games don't really give you that. Right. And Harvest is set uh, kind of in the middle of the Fall of Reach. And it definitely assumes that you read probably the Fall of Reach and First Strike and a lot of the other books that actually do give you what you're looking for. Harvest is... is pretty much just giving you an idea of what sparked the human covenant war gotcha yeah that makes sense but so uh, the book didn't make that much sense <laughs> so i guess yeah, that, that's why yeah so I'll, i'm gonna what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna go through the general story i'm not gonna get into a lot of details unless eric asks for clarification um we're gonna try and keep it from being a monologue and then we'll go through some q a for uh, I guess questions that at least this book will be able to answer. I might answer some other questions if it's just, you know, a general question that doesn't necessarily match up with another story. But if if we start getting into like Forerunner stuff, I'm going to try and stop it because Halo Reach has nothing to do with the Forerunners for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> right. And if it's not obvious already, spoiler alert, uh, this is going to yeah, probably big. spoil the book and also the game if um, you haven't played the games and you're getting ready to go play them for prep for the new halo yeah um also little push from from this podcast if you haven't read the book fucking read the book it's very good and they have an audio version of it on audible now it's a very well-written book eric nolan the author does a really good job of describing battles and getting into the details where it's interesting without like describing the color of the grass for 50 stanzas um it's a really good read and it gives you a lot of background story and understanding of who master chief is who cortana is and and an idea of what they went through before the the halo series kicks off so now that we've warned you we're going to spoil everything perfect because i hate reading too (laughs) <laughs> uh, that was me sympathizing with the person listening to the podcast, not yeah. <laughs> not you. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to. They want to read, and Audible's not free, so <laughs> they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I know. Read a book, why don't you? <laughs> get, get on with it. I need a summary." <laughs> yeah, so I'm not going to necessarily go through like chapter to chapter summary. I'm just going to kind of describe how things occurred. So. What happened with the human race in the Halo universe is that they got to, you know, kind of the point we're at now, started colonizing the other planets within the solar system. Eventually, they discovered, and I can't pronounce it, it's either two Japanese or two Asian names jammed together. They created an FTL drive and used that to be able to get beyond their solar system. Once they developed that drive, um, they were, per every science fiction story ever, able to colonize other worlds, and they spread out from Earth. Um, eventually, they got to a point where they kind of formed an inner and outer ring of colonies 
the outer colonies were the ones who had just kind of recently been colonized and were either on the outer limit of their uh, jurisdiction of the human overarching, kind of like United Nations um, jurisdiction, or they were kind of just used for one thing, which is, for instance, Harvest was an outer colony. I think the furthest one they had, but the planet itself was almost entirely fertile land. So the entire planet got turned into a farm and was used to supply food to many, many, many colonies. So that's kind of what the outer colonies looked like. Not as much control from the central government, a lot more like, you know, the Wild West. And the inner colonies were a lot more of like what Earth eventually turned into, which were, you know, gigantic city-strewn planets of humongous populations of people. Um, At the time that our story occurs, there's hundreds of colonies. They never specify that I've seen exactly how many, but there's a lot. There's a lot of human colonies, and they've spread very far out from um, from Earth at that point. What's happening before Reach is that, and before they even encounter the Covenant, is there's a insurgency growing, there's a rebellion that's occurring, and uh, some of the humans in the outer colonies feel like they want to be able to govern themselves. They feel like they're too far from the inner colonies and they don't have the same kind of troubles that the inner colonies have and they don't feel like they're being represented appropriately. It starts off as, and I'm definitely outside of what's in the book, just so you know, I'm giving you a broader outlook of what caused the insurgency. It started with, you know, just political disagreements and complaints and petitions and they got ignored long enough that it started to turn into violence and bombings and, you know, actually forming a legitimate rebellion um, and army to fight against the Earth uh, government, which is the UNSC, the United Nations Space Command, I guess. Um, So at the time of the beginning of the fall of Reach, the book, the insurgency has gotten very serious. They have uh, Colonel Watts, who used to be a UNSC colonel, who has defected. So they actually have legitimate, powerful people in charge of the insurgency now. They've got a growing amount of people, and there's a legitimate concern that they're going to break into all-out civil war soon. When the book begins, we find ourselves with Dr. Halsey, who's probably the smartest person in the, at least in the human uh, universe. (laughs) She's uh, planning to start up the second phase of the Spartan program. And she's with, I forget what his rank is at this point, but maybe Lieutenant um, Keys, who is Captain Keys in the Halo games. And they're going to a bunch of outer colonies to find children that have certain genetic traits and personality traits that they're going to abduct and use as recruits in this new program. So they, they go to these colonies, they find, you know, John, Master Chief, they find a number of of children. I think it's a total of 64 uh, children that they end up picking up who have the right um, genetic makeup and strong leadership and, you know, intelligence for what they're they're planning on doing. Wait, so you said that they have, this is the Spartan 2 program that you're talking about? Correct. And... So I guess that means there was a Spartan 1 program of less super, super soldiers? Yes. Okay. And wait, so is 
Master Chief a Spartan too? Yes, he's a Spartan too. Oh, okay. And then all the Spartans that are in Halo Reach and beyond are Spartan twos. No. No. Um. When when do they yeah, we me... get non-Spartan twos? So I'll get to that, but just to directly answer your question, um, all the Spartans that you encounter in the Halo series that are not Master Chief, Kelly, Linda, and Fred from Halo Five, those those four are Spartan twos. The ones you encounter in Reach are all Spartan threes, except George, who is a Spartan two apparently. And in Halo Five, all the other Spartans that you encounter are Spartan fours. Oh, okay. So uh, let me just quick go through <laughs> what what the difference is, just in, and then I'll get into more details later. Um, the Spartan One program was started uh, to again battle the insurgency, which is what the Spartan Two program was started for. Was they wanted to produce super soldiers who were um, able to handle incredibly dangerous infiltration missions in the hope that they could cut off the head of the rebellion and quell it before things got out of control. That was the intention of the Spartans. Spartan 1s were basically the same thing they ended up doing to the Spartan 2s, but they found that the augmentations that they applied to these people didn't quite work right and that they needed a certain genetic makeup for them to work appropriately without horribly disfiguring. So they, they also never wanted saw to combat. expand. Uh, I think they did, um, but there was a lot of failures, and they weren't able to go as far as they wanted to. And a lot of the mistakes they made and new uh, augmentations that they wanted to apply to them to make them even better super soldiers would not work with the kind of recruits that they were pulling for the Spartan One program. And they also wanted a certain level of indoctrination from childhood to make sure that they had loyalty only to the UNSC. Gotcha. And the Spartan twos are that. They are the most successful one. They were they have the I guess the most well no, I shouldn't say that. Um they had the best genetic makeup. They were the most intelligent and they ended up with the more superior armor compared to the Spartan 3s. The Spartan 3s were pulled from a less robust gene pool and were kind of um, intended to be more cost-effective and used for much more dangerous missions specifically against the Covenant. And then the Spartan 4s were the ones where they took what they had learned from the Spartan 2s and Spartan 3s and were then able to apply it to the general population. They're still elites. Um, they're still like the best of the ODST forces and stuff like that, the orbital drop shock troopers, they're still picking from the cream of the crop, but they no longer need to have specific genetic makeup. They've figured out how to make Spartans out of everyday soldiers. And that's what the Spartan 4s are that you end up encountering in, I think, Halo 4 and Halo 5. Because I think there's a couple of Spartan 4s in Halo Halo 4. Gotcha. So the Spartan 1s turned out to be horrible genetic monstrosities. Um that that really weren't that useful or went insane or couldn't be augmented properly. Spartan twos From what I remember, yeah. Spartan twos had the right genetics and the right augmentations, but were expensive and mm -hmm. ethically difficult to get, I suppose. I remember they keep bringing that up that, oh you abducted these children. Yeah. Um and then the Spartan threes were the cost effective ones that they made out of adults, but were still not nope, still kids. Oh, uh, they were the kids? Okay. But they weren't as powerful as the Spartan 2s, and they didn't have the necessarily the the best 
group of people involved, so not not as mm-hmm. good. And then the Spartan Fours were still kids. No, those those were adults. Okay, so these were drawn from probably military and other locations, but they were able to actually augment them to be as good or better than Spartan Twos. Uh, that depends on how you look at Halo Five. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, I think that's enough background on the Spartan. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, good question though. Um, it's this is definitely something that they they tell you here and there, meaning that's a Spartan Four but they don't tell you what the fuck that means. Right. I, I just kind of assumed that one was bad, two was bad, three was better, four was better, you know? Yeah, I'll go into a little bit more details. Uh, at the end of this, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, the other book, The Ghosts of Onyx, just because it directly applies to Halo Reach. Um, and that's I'll get into the Halo, into the Spartan 3s, I mean, a little bit more there. Okay. Um, so anyway, so yeah, Halsey and Keys travel from... Outer Colony Planet to Outer Colony Planet, abducting these kids that they've pre-selected from the from the population. Um, they abduct them and then they replace them with a Flash clone of the child who dies within weeks. So not only are they abducting children without <laughs> their permission, but they're also replacing them with time ticking time bomb clones to follow up the uh, misery of having your child abducted with it dying. Hey, at least it just looks like natural death. Yeah, um, that was actually Halsey's attempt to uh, make what she was doing a little less morally reprehensible in her mind. Sure, she I was mean, trying to make sure that they had closure. Hey, you know, I could I could see the argument there. I don't know why you wouldn't just give them a normal clone, but it's it sounds like in this universe, cloning is not something they can do stably. Although I think they clone organs from time to time that work, so I'm not really sure. Maybe it's the speed in which they had to do it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who knows? A it, flash clone yeah, sounds like it's a speed thing. Right. Um, but either way, that's that's part of what you hear about in later games is, you know, we were you know, you'll hear Halsey say, like, oh well, you know, we were we were up against the wall, we had to do everything we could, and then someone will be like, We weren't fighting the covenant yet. She's like, Well, the rebellion was getting bad. They're like, not that bad. You know, that's that's the whole argument that they have back and forth of you know, okay, if we were fighting the Covenant and we were down to the line, yes, the Spartans saved us, but your reasoning to do it in the first place was not, we're about to get wiped out by the Covenant. It was, we're about to have our government split in half. That doesn't seem to justify this abduction of children, right? Well, yeah, I mean, um, I, I see that that's the, I don't know, I always found it to be rather insignificant, that part of any of the Halo storylines. I was like, fuck yeah, Spartans. This game would suck without them. <laughs> right. right. Like, stop stop moralizing this and tell me that the super Let soldiers are Master awesome. Chief. <laughs> right. I don't really empathize with Master Chief. <laughs> I empathize with the way that he kills things. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of like that part of it a little bit just because I think it's interesting that they have this kind of really dark past to them that doesn't come up in the games until halo 4 i guess um of you know how the spartans were created and and all that kind of stuff it it gives it an interesting tragic twist to it that i like um but it doesn't make me dislike the spartans anymore kind of gives me a bad taste in my mouth about halsey but she's kind of a bitch anyway so (laughs) yeah they do paint her as kind of a bitch (laughs) so but anyway so that's that's how it starts they go and find john they go and find the rest of the spartans um the big names when it comes to the Spartans that they end up 
recruiting. Obviously, Kelly, Linda, Fred, those are three of the big ones because they end up in later games. They're the only surviving Spartan twos from um, the aftermath of Reach. There's a couple others that are important, like Sam and James um, and Joshua. These are all people who are mentioned specifically within the book and end up getting killed, um, kind of showing how the Spartans may be incredibly powerful, but they're still just human. Um, and then, of course, John, Spartan 117, Master Chief. So after they go through that bit, fast forward to the training that the Spartans go through, they're taken to Reach. They go through a really rough training campaign under um, Dr. Halsey and Chief Mendez, who's their role model. He's kind of painted as a more stern version of the sergeant from Full Metal Jacket <laughs> and less of a douche. Like he's not call- constantly throwing racist slurs at them and <laughs> telling them to suck dick, but <laughs> making fun uh, of the fact that they don't know who their parents are. Right. He's, but he's a very strict um, trainer and the person that's charged with turning them into the super soldiers that they become. Uh, they also have a AI that's in charge of educating them named Deja. Um, so between Mendez and Deja, they teach them not only to be physically you know, superior, they're also being taught um, a lot of history and tactics and strategy and high-level math. And they, they come out the back end not only stronger, but more intelligent than most people and um, just really the cream of the crop. So the, to sum up the training, it's, it's brutal. Um, no one that I remember dies during it, but they definitely go through some really, really rough training of being left out in the wilderness to survive on their own and um, various levels of just, you know, the Marine Corps, but worse. And they're six, right? Right. So, (laughs) Yeah, kind of confusing to expect someone to develop when you're six. Right. Here, go out here. Learn your lesson, kid. Go kill a bear and come back to me when it's done. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, how? <laughs> how? Here's a laser. Figure it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, but they're and they're also being told the entire time that they're the last hope for the UNSC. You know, they're being indoctrinated as you know you're you're going to be the best the UNSC can offer. You're going to be the strongest. You're going to be the smartest. And if if you don't succeed, the the UNSC is going to fall. You know, you've been chosen for this incredibly important role um so that's that's how their training goes when they hit the age of 14 they now are like you know olympic athletes and they're ready for the augmentation process so they go (laughs) in um and this is i'm just going to read a list of what they do it's a bunch of science words just jumbled together that just we don't need to go into the pseudoscience here Let's just accept that what they're saying. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so one is carbide ceramic ossification, which is to strengthen their bones. Muscular enhancement injections to increase muscle density and lactase recovery. Catalytic thyroid implant to boost growth of skeletal muscle tissue. Occipital uh, capillary reversal to increase their vision. And superconducting sorry, fibrification of neural dendrites to increase the <laughs> reflexes, intelligence, memory, and creativity. And again, ignoring it. some of those actually could potentially partially make sense, but then like 
I mean, Occipital fuck yeah. capillary reversal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, give me some of those, what are, what are they, muscle injection? I mean, by that name, of course that's going to make your muscles stronger. Right. <laughs> However, I'm not sure about dendrite fiberification. Usually fiberification <laughs> doesn't make something better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that's even yep. a word. <laughs> so ignoring all that, it made them stronger, tougher, and more intelligent, faster reflexes, more creative, blah, 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 blah. Um, so basically, course, they just gave one. them a bunch of Red Bull. Yeah. Gave and, them and Nike shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and Air and AirPods. <laughs> yeah, maybe some kombucha and jelly juice. <laughs> yeah, it's basically all the marketing at campaigns that we've ever seen, but IRL. <laughs> <laughs> cool. cool. <laughs> so... Unfortunately, every single one of those came with some horrible potential side effect. Um, so at the end of the day, 32 Spartans came out that completely accepted the augmentation and became Spartan twos. 30 of them died, and 12 of them were horribly disfigured, whether they had um, Parkinson's disease from it or they their bones just completely screwed up into a tangled mess. All of them, all those 12 had some horrible horrible thing happened to them they were then transferred over to oni which is the office of naval intelligence basically the cia um and they were then used for larger strategic planning because unless one of them had their mind damaged they were still incredibly intelligent and increased so by the augmentation they just couldn't be a soldier um so after that happens they continue their training for a few months to get used to their new bodies, you know, recover their, their ability to move as a group and to be able to get used to their new reflexes and strength. There's some various things that happen. There's a, a confrontation between John and a bunch of ODST soldiers where he just kills every single one of them in a sparring match. Um, but aside from that, they get back to the point where they're able to function properly as a person, and now they're just unstoppable their trainers can't touch them they're fighting them in like you know uh an alien the forklift robot thing that Mm -hmm. they throw the alien out the airlock with imagine that with chain guns attached they were able to kick those things across the room um easily in one of their training exercises well like the mantises and uh is that halo reach halo four uh halo four Four, yeah kind of yeah but more humanoid (laughs) less yeah less uh sleek gotcha so once they're back up to to snuff they get called into a meeting where they're given their first actual mission and this mission is to infiltrate an asteroid base that they believe um colonel watts the head of the insurgency is hiding so they uh john picks a small group of the spartans because 30 spartans is just way too much for an infiltration um which is you know the usual blue team not necessarily Fred, Kelly, Linda, but it may have been like, uh, I think it may have been Kelly, Linda, Sam, and Fred. Nobody Doesn't matter. cares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Backing off. I don't know who so these they... people are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. You played Halo 5. <laughs> yeah, sure I do. <laughs> Personality list Spartan Fair. number two. Fair. <laughs> Fair. He's the taller one. 
Frank. Wait, the, no, was that the, the order that he named them? Maybe it was Frank Kelly Denland. All right, all right, <laughs> all right. You know, you don't care, and half the audience doesn't care. But there's gonna be that guy who's like, "Of oh, actually, it was uh, it was Dab Dot Fred." <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll hop on actually, Facebook Joshua and, went and with say it. hi. <laughs> yeah, please. I would love to hear your correction of whatever I'm getting wrong. Anyway. They get aboard a freighter that they believe is going to the rebel base. They stow away in the water compartment. They infiltrate the base dressed up as just dock workers. Um, they track <laughs> a box of luxury goods to where Colonel Watts is. They infiltrate it like a bunch of ninjas, kill everyone inside, stuff him in a box, and then get him back out aboard a pelican. The reason I'm bringing this up is that it's one of the moral questions about how they behave because in order to complete the mission... They end up blowing out the airlock in the dock and sucking probably thousands of people out into space just to extract this rebel leader. And John thinks about it for like a fraction of a second is like, but I won. So who cares? Which kind of paints a picture of how you end up playing through all the Halo games where you're like, yeah, I'll shoot that Marine in the face. He was in my way. (laughs) I still won. Man, I'm just imagining (laughs) like, (laughs) like these people, obviously they have security at these docks or whatever, you know? And you just get like, <laughs> you just get these like six giant people, right? Like this woman yep. who's like seven foot five or something, <laughs> weighs like 300 pounds, like ripped off her ass, wearing like a, a dock worker suit over top of like power <laughs> armor and a helmet <laughs> with well, a mustache. They didn't have their... <laughs> right. They're like, yep, so everything seems have... to check out here. <laughs> It's like, whoa, it's like you look strong. Right You're going to be able to move those boxes. Do you need any help with that? No. No, you don't. Good for you. <laughs> now, to be fair, they didn't have any other power armor at that point. Obviously. But the point it still just... stands. They were, they were giant. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's normal here. This is okay. <laughs> I guess, man. Yep. Antisocial giants <laughs> trying to make their way past security checkpoint. <laughs> yeah, gen- gently push you aside and you go flying across the room and embed yourself in the wall. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so after that mission, actually during that mission is when Harvest occurs. So entire book shortened. What happened at Harvest, because we're not. I'm not going to go read that one. You don't need to know. Um, all the details about it. Basically what happens is at some point during um, normal proceedings on Harvest, a Covenant ship just happens upon the colony. There may have been some reason that they they went there, but either way, they meet up. There's a a misunderstanding between the Jackals. I'm not going to use their Covenant names because no one gives a flying fuck. The Jackals and the humans, where the humans end up killing all the Jackals on a ship, that sparks a larger force coming in of brutes and during a peaceful meeting between the two where they're trying to you know apologize for killing the jackals and you know make peace between these races uh a conflict breaks out they end up killing each other for a while and the entire planet ends up being glassed um wait is that that jackal human interaction is that like first contact yep that's first contact okay they hadn't heard each other on the radio waves or anything? I don't think so. Okay. Gotcha. So they come in to start off on a so real yeah. bad foot. <laughs> they start off on a bad foot. They try and mend it up with the brutes, but the brutes are the brutes and end up they end up clashing and 
destroying the planet. Um, distress signals sent out, the UNSC comes back, and the first couple ships that show up just get obliterated, and one escapes and brings back a giant force. And they fight a battle above Harvest where the Covenant's outnumbered three to one, and the UNSC wins, but barely. And the reason is the and you probably have seen this in the games, but the Covenant have energy shields, as we all know. Um, they have plasma weapons, and they have uh, laser weapons. And the UNSC has no shielding. They just have thick armor on their ships. They've got missiles, they've got nukes, and they've got uh, accelerated uh, MAC rounds, you know, magnetic acceleration cannons. And unfortunately, none of those things are strong enough to take out the Covenant shields and damage the ship. They usually need multiple hits before they'll be able to do something to the ship. So most of these conflicts in space end up with, you know, the first salvo goes off, they do some damage to the ship after they take down the shields, but then the plasma hits the UNSC ships and just melts them away. Um, so that happened while they were taking out the rebel leader. They come back and the Spartans are informed of this new covenant threat and are sent off to they're sent off to Seti Chi 4 <laughs> which is another planet where the how do you say Thor's hammer Malomnia or something like that <laughs> man beats me M J O L I or L N I R the Spartan armor <laughs> which is called oh, is that... named after Thor's hammer oh okay interesting i that's, didn't know that that was yeah uh, you know, real word, well, in another language. Yeah, so that's what Thor's hammer's name, that's what the Spartan armor's named after. That is the real reason that the Spartans were augmented, was so that they could use this power armor, because anyone, any normal person that tried to use it, when they would try and move, it would amplify their movement so much that they just, like, tear their arm out of its socket and, like, crush all their bones. So they needed to have a stronger person with reinforced bones and faster reflexes to be able to drive the power armor. Um, so they go to that planet to go get the armor. En route, they end up encountering a Covenant ship. Battle between them goes the way it usually does, but they at least damage it enough that it runs away. Spartans go down to get the, the power armor. Um, this does not have energy shields at this point. It's just the armor itself, which is giving them faster reflexes and so on and so forth, and strong armor that can you know maybe take a shot from a plasma pistol. Um, eventually they get back up off the planet in their new armor. The Covenant ship comes back and the Spartans, uh, EVA, or sorry, go EVA, get on the ship, kill everyone on board and plant a, a warhead in their reactor and blow it up. And this is when they lose their first actual Spartan. Um, one of them gets hit with a plasma round and it breaks the vacuum seal on his suit. So he has to stay behind. And dies in the explosion. And then they kind of wave their hands a bit in the book and go, so that happens for like 27 years. <laughs> <laughs> what? The hum the Spartans breaking into Covenant carriers and dropping bombs in them? No, just Covenant human war goes oh, on for oh, 27 years. Gotcha. Um, the They lose a ton of outer colonies. Pretty much every battle goes. The Covenant show up. The battle breaks out on the ground and in space. The ground forces can at least hold their own against the Covenant, and if they have Spartans there, completely wipe them out. But then, from orbit, the superiority of the Covenant fleet destroys a human fleet and then glasses it. So, no matter how well they do, 
with the Spartans. They just can't beat the Covenant fleet. And so planet after planet gets glassed. Um, and when you say glassing, you mean uh, space plasma burning away everything, melting the rock correct. into a shiny surface. Yeah, when the Covenant's done wiping out the orbital fleet, they'll plasma bombard the surface and just destroy the entire planet so they can't recolonize it. Um, the reason is is that, and this gets, I don't remember the details, I'll, I can go into this when I read uh, First Strike again, but the from what I remember, the prophets in the Covenant have determined that the humans are an affront to their gods. I think the real reason is, is that they have a, they have a guilty spark, one of those eyeball forerunner things. Yeah, from they've got one Halo of, one. Yeah, they've got one of those at their main base, and when they talk to it about the humans, it indicates that those are the like the ones that are supposed to take the mantle from the forerunners, and they hide that from everyone and decide to kill all the humans so that no one has to know that the prophets have been lying. Gotcha. So they don't just go around burning down every planet that has non-covenant life, obviously, because the covenant is a covenant of other Correct. races. <laughs> right. They're specifically destroying the humans. The excuse is they're in front of the gods. The real reason is the high-ranking prophets know that they've been lying, and they're trying to hide that so that they don't lose control of the covenant. Gotcha. Which is what ends up happening at the end of like Halo 2, when they break up and start fighting each other. Um, oh yeah, spoilers so that's for why they're, <laughs> Everyone's, yeah, fair. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> we already said spoilers. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so that's why they're glassing the planets. That's why they're decimating the humans. They're exterminating them because, you know, they don't need to go in and glass a planet unless they're trying to kill everyone. And that's what they're trying to do. Um, so again, fast forward 27 years, it, you find Keys is now a commander in charge of some ship. I think it's called, it doesn't matter. Uh, the he's Pillar of Autumn? Ship. Nope. Oh, no, okay. not Pillar of Autumn yet. He's over the planet Sigma Octanus Four, and a number of Covenant ships show up through some amazing maneuvers that actually are really cool to read in the in the book. He manages to destroy three of them and damage the other one enough that it runs away. However, in the process, his ship his ship gets heavily damaged, and the Covenant land a massive ground force. They call in reinforcements. A humongous UNSC um, fleet arrives, and uh, they get ready for another battle because they're pretty sure the Covenant's going to come back. Because one, they landed a ground force and ran away, and two, the Covenant doesn't run away. So they're getting ready for this big um, victory. And the real reason that they're sending so many forces to this unimportant planet is that they need a morale boost because they've been getting their asses kicked for 30 years <clears throat> so combined with key's incredible maneuvering they want to build this big story of victory so they want to make sure they win with that they also bring the spartans to go down to the surface and kick the shit out of the covenant so to summarize what happens on the on the ground the marines get destroyed before the spartans arrive the spartans arrive um infiltrate the one city, which I'm not going to try and pronounce, um, where the Covenant has kind of set up base. The plan is to exfiltrate any people that are left, plan a nuke, and blow the shit out of them. They get in, they do all that, but before they blow it, they want to take a look because they also have orders to pick up any Covenant tech and kind of like get an idea of any um, 
intelligence they can gather. This is the first time they end up meeting the Covenant engineers and the Covenant hunters. Uh, Before this, they'd only been fighting grunts and jackals. So they notice that they're kind of centered in a museum. They get into that museum and find that the Covenant is scanning this particular crystal, and they're beaming up um, a signal from that scan up to their ship. And it's guarded by two hunters. They have a fun encounter with the hunters where one of the Spartans gets his arm blown off, um, but continues to fight anyway. And unlike in Halo 1, where you can just take a shot to the hunter back and they die, these guys kind of behave like the hunters in every other game where you got to empty all your ammo to kill them and they still don't die. Um, So they get back out, get a lot of the human population out, nuke the place, go back into orbit. Wait, did they get in orbit, did they get the crystal or something? They stopped the transmission. They didn't take the crystal. Okay. So in orbit, however, battle commences between the Covenant fleet and the human fleet. There's a giant um, repair platform that they had brought in to service the Iroquois uh, key ship and any other ships that get damaged. And what they end up doing is packing their their fleet very closely, doing their first salvo of Mac rounds. And then as the plasma approaches, they moved that repair station in front of it to absorb all the plasma shots and sacrificed it so they could get off another round after the Covenant shields were down. And that managed to take out like a significant fraction of the Covenant fleet before they then broke off and started fighting. Um, So Key's ship is still damaged, so he kind of hangs back. The rest of the fleet moves out and and pretty much just decimates the rest of the Covenant ships. They, They still lose a lot of ships, but they... They do end up winning. But while Keyes is hanging back, he notices a a ship that's hovering over the planet, which is getting this transmission from the ground from that crystal. So they go back to the the planet, destroy the ship, and intercept a good portion of that signal before Master Chief um, disables the scanning device and blows it up. Um, That becomes important later, because they don't know what it is, but all they do know is that it's not covenant writing. It's some other language. It's not human and not covenant. Um, unfortunately, though, as they're cleaning up and jumping back to reach, a transmission device gets attached to Key's ship and gives the location of reach to the covenant. Now, we've mentioned reach a couple times. Why? Why is it so important? Why does it have its own game? Reach is the largest colony um, in the UNSC. And it's also their main military uh, planet. It's where they do all their research. It's where they have the majority of their shipyards. It's where their military command is located. So it's a very important place. If Reach were to fall, they wouldn't be able to produce enough ships to continue to fight the Covenant. Um, So Keyes jumps back to Reach, unintentionally giving the location of the planet to the Covenant. And the next stage of planning to combat the Covenant starts. The plan is they're going to take the Spartans and put them on the Pillar of Autumn, which has been retrofitted to have a special reactor. It's got a special set of Mac cannons. It's been incredibly reinforced, so it can take a huge beating, and they're going to have Keys commanding it because of his incredible navigational skills. So they're basically taking everything they can, the best of the best, and putting them on one ship. They're going to take that ship, go into Go and find a Covenant ship, beat it, but don't destroy it. Have the Spartans get on board, kill everyone, and take over the ship. Then they're going to take that ship, 
and they're going to fly it back to the Covenant homeworld and try and capture one of the prophets and use him as a bargaining ship to end the war. The one thing that hasn't been added to this is how they're going to drive that ship, which is Cortana. Cortana at this point has been quote-unquote born, and she's been um, she's actually based off of Halsey's brain in, in this universe to make an AI. They scan the neural pathways of a brain and then base their neural network off of that, but it destroys the brain in the process. So what they did was cloned Halsey's brain and used it to make Cortana. So for all intents and purposes, Cortana is Halsey. Um, she's also been outfitted with the best infiltration programs that Oni has come up with at this point. So they're going to use her to take command of the ship and help. Oh, and she also has advanced translation, which is why I think in the Halo games where you play as Master Chief, you'll notice that you can understand some of the words that the Covenant say. But in Halo Reach and in the Halo games, when you no longer have Cortana with you, you can't understand what they're saying uh, because that's kind she of has translation. Yeah, that's because that always confused me. I'm like, why are suddenly all the grunts just going? Rah, 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 rah. Well, and yeah, because like I, it kind of made the why. Covenant a lot more personable, like gave them like a bit more like human motivation and like personality whenever you were able to understand what they were saying but then again i'm mm -hmm. pretty sure that like the you know the prophet or not the prophet the arbiter did just speak you know english or whatever common tongue mm -hmm. they have in this unit you know he was able to talk to people who weren't master chief yeah and so i was con i was some, confused as to whether or the... not they were just speaking english for the fun of it or if they were i don't know being translated i guess yeah so when the Arbiter's talking, he is actually speaking English, um, and at least when it's between him and, like, Johnson. Right. He is speaking English. Gotcha. Um, but, like, when you're listening to the grunts go, oh, no, that's, I believe, a translation. That makes sense. <laughs> um, so the Spartans go planetside to go get Cortana, but they also go planetside to get an upgrade to the armor. Since the 30-year span, they've been collecting covenant tech and they worked out how to reproduce their energy shields and improved upon them so when they get down not only do they get the upgrade of now they have energy shields on their armor but they also implant cortana into master chief's suit as she is in most of the games and she sits as they put it she sits between the connection with his brain and the armor so she can help the armor to respond faster to what's going on and help him respond faster to the situation as well. So not only is she helping, you know, tactically and with infiltration, but she's also helping him um, respond better in combat. And to do to determine whether or not their new system works, he goes through a training course, which is being led by Colonel Ackerson, who actually does matter. I'll get back to him later. Who doesn't like the Spartan twos and is trying to show that they're a waste of money. And it's just a basic, like, you know. ODST force is trying to fight with him, run across his field, but then at the end they have a uh, orbital fighter come in and shoot a missile at him. And with Cortana's help, Master Chief's able to literally bitch slap the missile out of the way and have it detonate far enough away that it doesn't kill him, which again is really cool to read. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they take the now acquired upgrade to the armor and Cortana. They go up to the Pillar of Autumn and are getting ready 
to go on their mission when the Covenant show up to destroy Reach. Um, the mission gets postponed because everyone's being called back to defend. Uh, the plan is, per John's uh, recommendation, he says, hey, there's going to be a lot of derelict Covenant ships after this battle. If you happen to fly near one, let my Spartans and me go take it over. Otherwise, we're just pointlessly hanging out on the ship waiting to maybe die. Um, so that's the plan. Pillar of Autumn goes back to help fight. They don't really specify how many ships are involved, but it's clear that there's hundreds of Covenant ships and maybe an equal amount of UNSC ships, but the concern is they only ever win when they outnumber the Covenant. But what they do have are the orbital Mac guns, which are in Halo 2. Yeah. In the big yeah, they were dropping off start the, out on. Yeah, that uh, spiky uh, Covenant nuke. Yeah. <laughs> Covenant yep. version of a nuke that you, uh, that you fly through space and blow up on one of their Corvettes or something with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you start so on that's... a Mac, Mac gun. That's like the low-grav zone. Mm-hmm. So that's the what the Mac guns are. These are powerful enough that they don't have to have multiple rounds to destroy a Covenant ship. They're accelerating them at such a high velocity that they'll hit the shield destroy the shield and then go straight through the covenant ship right so yeah i was wondering earlier you were saying like that you need like multiple volleys and stuff but i'm pretty sure i remember watching them take out some of the covenant ships just one of those so that's just that those are like exclusively like mac gun stations that are specifically designed for that right and they're shooting many time larger rounds at the covenant compared to what the unsc ships have okay the ships just aren't big enough to hold a large mac gun so if you ever see it within the the series a unsc ship come down and shoot like a single gun at something or it may look even like a beam cannon at some points that's their mac rounds yeah okay so with these orbital stations they actually stand a pretty good chance which is why the covenant fleet immediately targets them and they do the same thing of using the orbital repair stations to take some of the hits for them um but unfortunately there's just so many covenant ships some of the rounds get through they also have a new super carrier with them that has a very long range powerful laser that's able to just through whatever so it's it's looking grim um as keys is moving into fight with the covenant because he's pretty far off of where they actually come in um they realize that one there's a a station that has an intact navigational computer and at the same time there's a covenant force being dropped off on the surface to go take out the ground side generators for the orbital mac guns they don't explain how they send the energy up just woo it works um <laughs> <laughs> right so one of the things they may mention in the games is what's called the Cole Protocol, which is a protocol that anyone who encounters the Covenant has to wipe their navigational computer so that if they get taken over, they can't get the location of any other colonies. And also, whenever they jump out of any system, they have to exit at a random um, vector. And then from that next position, if there's no Covenant, they can then go to whatever colony they want to. So part of the Cole Protocol is wipe your navigational computer there's a computer that's still intact that needs to be destroyed. So the decision is made that before Keys engages with the Covenant, he's going to drop off um, three Spartans, including John, to go take care of the nav computer. 
and the rest of the Spartans are going to go to ground side to go defend the generators. So uh, I'll follow Keys first. Keys goes out, starts fighting, and realizes that Super Carrier is doing way too much damage. He assaults that, again, between him, him, Cortana, Navigation, the superstructure of the Pillar of Autumn, they're able to take it down. They destroy the Super Carrier, um, but sustain stupid amounts of damage and kind of limp back to go pick up the Spartans. Uh, on John's end, they get to the station. Unfortunately, one of the Spartans gets a needle in his uh, thruster pack, and it explodes, and he just goes flying off into space and is never heard from again. Uh, this is the first time that they encounter elites. Uh, a humongous force of elites starts descending on the uh, on the station to take it over. John has a hand-to-hand confrontation with them where they show that the elites are pretty much the equivalent of a Spartan, but he manages to win that battle. They get to the navigation computer. I think they actually encounter Johnson um, and pick him up as they leave. They destroy the computer, and as they're leaving, um, Linda gets hit with like seven or eight uh, plasma bolts and flatlines. And when they get back to the Pillar of Autumn, they throw her into cryo-freeze in the hopes they might be able to revive her later, even though she flatlined. And then John finds out that the Spartan forces on the ground got overwhelmed, killed, and the generators are now down, and the Covenant fleet, without the Mac rounds to take them out, just quickly destroy everything else and start glassing the planet. So rather than hang around and die, the Pillar of Autumn jumps away, apparently on a random vector, but Cortana was actually pulling from the uh, data that they extracted from that crystal, which gave them the location of the Halo ring. So when they jumped out out that way, the Covenant followed them, and that's the beginning of Halo 1. Hmm. So Cortana just took a guess that whatever information they drew had some coordinates, probably important. Let's go check it out. No, it sounded more like she was just intrigued, and she had been looking at it before the battle went off, and she came to the realization that they looked like uh, locational coordinates in space and then checked them against the coal protocol and realized it matches. I, I can go on that vector. Let's see. So total blind guess. Hmm. So yeah. Um, last thing I want to touch upon before we go to Q&A is the Spartan 3s because I mentioned them and I also mentioned Colonel Ackerson. So somewhere during that 27-year period um, after the Spartans are Spartan 2s graduate. Colonel Ackerson approaches Oni and says, hey, we need more Spartans. Um, he's been against the Spartan program, but he claims the reason is that it's immoral to be capturing children and uh, and doing that. So he says, rather than capturing children and replacing them with clones, we'll just take orphans because they're just garbage people that are worthless, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, not for long. Yeah, so the Spartan 3s are all orphan children from um, the outer colonies that have been classed. So, unfortunately, they're they're still picked from the better of the genetic crop, but they're not as good as the Spartan 2s are. And they also have a lot more baggage coming with them emotionally, but they also have a pure hatred, obviously, of the Covenant that helps to drive them forward. Um, they also abduct one of the Spartan 2s, um, Kurt, and he becomes the new leader, trainer, and mentor of the Spartan 3s. Um, the main difference in the Spartan 3s is they have an accelerated training program, a refined version of the augmentation, so more of them come out the other end, 
actually most of them come out the other end without dying or being horribly disfigured. But because of the cost, um, they mentioned that the armor that the Spartan twos wear, like each one probably costs that of a UNSC fleet. So they're using a different type of armor. It doesn't have anywhere near the uh, strength enhancement, nor does it have, obviously, the um, energy shields. What they're using is, uh, I believe it's SPI armor. It's it's an infiltration armor that has uh, cloaking. So they actually had a, a, several groups of, of Spartan 3s that graduated. The first one was Alpha Company. Um, they were sent out to attack a Covenant shipbuilding yard, which had, like, tons of reactors and, and production plants on the surface. They sent the whole company down of hundreds of Spartan 3s. They were able to destroy everything, but then the Covenant pushed back with a larger group, including elites and hunters, and ended up destroying all the Spartan 3s. So the mission was a success, but they lost every single one of them, which was the whole point of the Spartan 3 program, was to send them on basically suicide missions of incredibly high-value targets. Um, and this shipbuilding facility was on the edge of UNSC space, so they kind of made it sound like, well, they're so close, they'll be able to get a, a fleet over really quickly, despite slip space jumping. Yeah. Ignore that. So, <laughs> right. We'll get to that later. I have a question about that. <laughs> yeah. So despite the fact that throughout the rest of the Fall of Reach book, they make it seem like they've only ever fought hunters and jackals, and it's something new that they're seeing, or sorry, not grunts and jackals. They make it seem like the hunters and the elites are something new that they're finding. Because of how secretive the Spartan 3 program is, I think what happened is they didn't share that information with the rest of the UNSC because they didn't want to have to admit, you know, that the Spartan 3s are a thing. Um, anyway, next company was Beta Company. Uh, they were sent on another suicide mission and only two were able to survive from that group. This one was to take out a facility that was producing the fuel that they use in their uh, reactors on their ships. So they went in. Another really cool battle to read about, but everyone died in the explosion of the reactors when the Covenant came down to fight with them. Um, the next company is Gamma Company, and they were being trained during uh, the fall of Reach and the invasion of Earth. And as they continued to go into later companies, they pulled from a less robust gene pool and with people with more and more psychological issues. And they also started modifying the augmentations to turn these soldiers into people who could like just absorb massive amounts of damage and not go into shock. And a lot of this ended up building psychosis into them. And some of the later groups needed to take antipsychotic medications constantly or they'd lose it. So the Spartan 3s end up being a very dark area of the of the UNSC where, you know, they were created for a very dire reason of fighting the Covenant. However, they're incredibly dangerous, they're incredibly unstable, and they're not as refined and as disciplined as, as the Spartan 2s were. Um, it also pulls a very, very big question around who the fuck you're playing as in Halo Reach. Because <laughs> based on what happens to them, there shouldn't be any Spartan 3s left over to be in your company of Noble Team. Right, yeah, that so, was something that... Yeah, are you... Are you a part of the psychotic ones, the later ones? I guess so, because everyone else died. Yeah, if I had to guess, I think you're a part of... You can't be part of Gamma, because Gamma's still in training 
when Earth is attacked. So it's not Gamma Company, so you must be part of Beta. I think your commander, uh, Carter, I think he's Alpha, and George is a Spartan too. Yeah, because it kind of sounds um, like your like Noble Company uh, from what the game is. Sounds like they only get sent on missions that aren't actually like condoned by the general UNSC command. Like every time they give you a mission, they're like, "Oh, and by the way, this is not an official whatever." By the right. end of the mission, they're like, "Yeah, ignore that order, Spartans. I need you to go do this." And you're like, "But I got orders," says Carter, the lead one. And then they're like, "What are you, a pawn or a?" king or whatever <laughs> i thought you were a spartan right you know so it sounds like this particular group of spartans might have been like uh sectioned off for various missions by halsey or someone you know it's pretty clear by yeah. the end that a lot of their orders are uh drawn on like i guess individual interests rather than um like the general military effort most of the time yeah uh, so I think that's probably a fair hand wave is that you didn't, this group of people didn't die because they were specifically, um, prevented from that. You know, you take the, the big group of people and send them off to do that big mission, but you hold a couple in reserve for your own purposes. Yeah. That's the only way I, I can make sense of it. Um, a couple of things I want to make clear in prep and we'll mention it when we go in to talk about the actual game, but just to be clear. Halsey knows nothing about the Spartan Threes. The first time she encounters them is after Earth is attacked, and she ends up meeting them on Onyx, which is their training facility, a secret base. So she does not know them. So when they encounter each other on in the game, and she's like, I know who you are. No, she does not know. And she knows every single one of the Spartan Twos by name. So she does not know those people, but in the game she does. Yeah, I was going to say, because... Um, uh... She recognizes George by name, but then she doesn't really indicate. She kind of just glares at the others. Yeah, like they're like some sort of like she's having some cognitive dissonance, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like er- yeah. error. <laughs> I guess maybe that kind of explains why they don't, uh, why she doesn't directly address many of the other people. It's it's just a disconnect between the two stories. It's okay. Yeah, there there's no real way to mend those two. Um, it's just, it's just a fracture, especially having George there. There isn't the only Spartan two that doesn't stick with the Spartan twos is Kurt. All the others are with them. There's no reason that another Spartan two should be with the Spartan threes. Um, interesting. So is there anything else? Uh, I have a couple questions. Um, was there anything that you wanted to cover in general? The last thing I just wanted to also point out of a difference between the, the books and the game is to highlight we talked about it but i just want to nail this one down this is another thing that cannot be mended between them cortana was not on the surface when reach fell nor was the pillar of autumn interesting at the end of the game you go you go to sword base you pick up cortana and you go and deliver to the pillar of autumn which is on the surface that did not happen they were all up in space that's annoying because i for the next one i have a couple questions about i guess that those won't be answered then (laughs) Um, you can ask him i'll i'll explain him but yeah that that's the last thing i wanted to point out and also cortana is um kind of hinted at in the reach game as if she's a fragment of 
like forerunner tech. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, I was like, <laughs> so yeah. So you walk up and she's like, Oh, we got this thing. that seems to be alien, but not covenant. And then Cortana's sitting there and her alien looking face staring at you. You're like, I didn't know Cortana was an alien AI. And then she's not. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are they on about? <laughs> I don't know. Um, my only, the only thing I can swear maybe the container, is they, maybe the container itself that they carry her in was a, a forerunner piece of equipment, and they were she was just yeah. really attached to this piece of equipment. <laughs> I don't know. the The only thing I could maybe explain is what they meant was they got the location of the halo ring from this forerunner tech, and Cortana had it with her. But again, that doesn't make sense. They and they clearly got it from Sigma Octanus Five. Or four. Alright. That, so, well, that's some bullshit. Yeah, no, it's bullshit. It doesn't make any fucking sense. And I think 343 Industries basically went, yeah, the books aren't canon. Fuck you. Uh, that's annoying. So, All fuck right, them. Well, we'll, be, <laughs> we'll be figuring out what exactly is going on with that in the next podcast. Yeah. So, <laughs> go ahead and ask your questions, sir. Yeah, so, man. Alright, so one of the things that I wanted to ask was... You say that they have, like, faster-than-light travel, right? Is this, like, faster, faster, faster-than-light? Like, you know... Because you say that they're transporting, like, food from one planet to another. Like, mm-hmm. so it must be pretty cheap, uh, cheaper than the food is, to fly from one planet to the next. Like, you'd think that the outer colonies wouldn't really feel separate at all. They're basically just, you know, a footstep away from the other planet, you know? So it seems kind of weird that the other colonies feel so alienated whenever they're, you know, with faster than light travel, you could go, you could be anywhere, anytime, you feel like it, you know? So, yes and no. It's, what they're doing is they're, from the way they describe it, the the faster than light engine breaks a tear between dimensions, and so they enter into another dimensional space, which is slipstream space. They move faster but they don't move instantaneously. Hmm. So there is time that passes when they're traveling through space, hence why they still have the cryopods to sleep in. Ah. Uh, so okay. it might take like a month to get from place to place. Um, and the food is simply, I, I would assume, frozen or something before they send it out, processed in some way. Yeah. All right. I guess that makes sense. And then another question I had, I guess you kind of answered this one, but... So the human covenant relationship right now is just that the covenant are the aggressors basically. The humans they killed a bunch of crazy dinosaur looking freaks on on a spaceship and then talked to the covenant and were like, "Yeah, we didn't realize that they were like talking and, you know, not being mad at us." So, sorry. And then the covenant was like, "Heretic!" and then burn their planet <laughs> and continue uh... to burn planets because they just the 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 prophets decided that it's a bad idea to let these let these humans who might over or overrule them in the future. Yeah, so you can pretty much squarely place the blame on the covenant because I'm remembering a bit more as you were asking the question. The jackals came across a a freighter who had a malfunction, and they they came on board that encountered a human and got spooked and killed him, and then they kept when someone came out to come and find that they attacked the next one and so eventually 
the UNSC sent a small group of Marines to go figure, they thought it was a, a rebel force that was attacking freighters. So they sent them out to go fight with them and then um, ended up killing the Jackals. I don't remember who shot first, but the point still remains. The Jackals attacked first. They were technically defending themselves from pirates. And then when they had the brutes meet with the humans and they were trying to apologize, part of the brute force um, was kind of like, sneaking around the delegation and ended up attacking some of the humans and then when they reported back to the prophets the prophets asked their oracle and the oracle told them that the humans are you know the true holders of the mantle or whatever the fuck they call it (laughs) and yeah so on and so forth right okay so yeah i guess that wasn't always super clear in the games i guess it kind of starts making some sense later but they start cutting out so much of the story that i never really got that right all right, um, and then, so what is, at the beginning of Reach, I feel like this is important because they don't talk about it all in the game, and it's the force that attacks Reach, or it's a part of a plan that leads to the attack of Reach. Um, there's something called the Winter Contingency. You know, someone's like, oh, it's the Winter Contingency, and then me as mm-hmm. the player is like, oh my god, not the Winter Contingency. Because of your tone of voice. That sounds so bad. <laughs> I have no idea what it is, though. Do you know what it is? So the winter contingency is literally the plan that goes into effect if the Covenant find Reach. And it's, it's a, a human plan. Correct. The winter can... See, they... I could have sworn they were referring to the Covenant. Nope. <laughs> okay. Nope. Human, human plan of what to do when the... Or, I guess, code name for the Covenant found Reach. <laughs> uh, okay. So, all right, that's fine. That is that was made unnecessarily complex and confusing, but good mm-hmm. to know. <laughs> Believe it or not, yeah, the Covenant are in Reach in the video game Halo Reach. <laughs> right. Um, Got it. Um, mm-hmm. This might go into a little more of the story than we want to, but if the Covenant enjoy just glassing planets, why didn't they just glass Reach? You mean why they invade? Yeah, why do they bother invading whenever they can just, you know? So th- there's two reasons. Um, mainly they're invading to take out the generators for the orbital Mac guns, because if they hadn't taken them out that way, they may have lost the space battle. Okay. Um, the other reason is that there is a Forerunner uh, artifact on the surface, and they want to go dig that up. Classic Covenant. Seems like everywhere humans go, there's a Forerunner artifact underneath the planet mm-hmm. <laughs> strange that yeah weird hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Would someone say the pyramids i think i heard is that just me <laughs> stonehenge what lizard <laughs> 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 people are jackals so that's why the planet's hollow <laughs> i was wondering who built the antarctica wall <laughs> <laughs> fucking That's what forerunners, keeps all the man. Uh, yeah. So, um, the other thing I wanted to touch upon again, I don't want to get too much into the game, but when the Covenant show up in the game, and then you go and and blow up the carrier, and then the Covenant Armada shows up, no, not even close. That's not what happened at all. Another one of these fraction points where you can't mend the difference between the books and what happened in that fucking game. Um, they. The Covenant showed up, started fighting, and then landed forces. It's not like they snuck in and then a fleet appeared. Mm-hmm. So, 
any other any other questions? I mean, I think that's that pretty much covers everything that you would need to know from the Halo canon leading up to uh, to Reach. Yeah, I think I think that pretty much summarizes most of the background questions that I had. I think that when we do Halo One, um, maybe we can get into a little more of the like who the Covenant are and mm-hmm. what's up with you know Halo itself, <laughs> the ring. Yeah. Um, I. I I find the covenant to be very interesting. I've done a little bit of reading on like what their deal is, but mm-hmm. um, suffice it to say, if you're not too familiar, that the covenant are actually a pretty intelligent and well organized and interesting like society. So maybe we can uh, touch on that. I don't. Obviously, this isn't a Halo lore podcast, but I think that uh, <laughs> for people who who like Halo a lot, like. Uh, it's kind of dumb that they don't include all this stuff because that is pretty cool. Well, I remember when they released Halo Two, there was a disc that came with it. Yeah, and they had and they like, talked about it. It had like a whole like I don't know three or four minute cutscene that had to do with the Arbiter that just gave you like a really mm-hmm. nice synopsis of like what's going on with the Covenant. Who are they? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was gonna be like ten minutes long or something, and the higher ups at Microsoft were like, "No one's gonna want to watch that," so they had to cut it. Like. Really? You think we're that stupid that we can't watch 10 minutes? We watch movies, you fucks. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, like, I know I like my games and my movies separate, but I also like to understand what the fuck's going on in my games. And sometimes right. a short video is what I need. Right. It doesn't have to be a Metal Gear Solid. It can be, you know, <laughs> or sparse it in while I'm playing. Yeah, have, I... have Cortana, like just spouting covenant facts at you while you're fighting right (laughs) you go on the ship and she's like she does all the time oh i just found a history of the covenant volume 12 would you (laughs) like to know more synopsis (laughs) right did you know that the grunts are literally licking the boots of everyone else kind of makes sense (laughs) yeah man well i think those are all the questions i have right now i'm sure we'll get into a little more when we get into halo reach itself yeah absolutely because there will be more things that come up as we're talking about the game and its story that we're gonna be like hmm isn't that stupid so anyway um as for what's coming up next obviously halo reach should be the next one to follow this uh if for some reason it's not it'll be the one after that uh i can't imagine that we won't do reach next though after that we've got uh sekiro shadows die twice um between myself and pat and i think mark might be on that as well as kevin and maybe kerbal space but we have to see um we also have a number of other games we just haven't planned out exactly which one's going to be next but we're working on uh the indie games celeste uh elite dangerous and mass effect so got a number of games in the in the lineup uh some of which are probably about ready to go yeah and if for some reason you found this because you searched Halo podcast or something like that. Uh, the other Halo ones will be on the way, kind of sprinkled across the next, I guess, year. Year. Probably, mm-hmm. yeah, because uh, Halo Infinite is probably coming out next fall, if, you know, anything, <laughs> if they follow the schedule. Um, yeah. So the, we'll be popping those on every once in a while. Um, and we'll probably be going into a little bit of the background just because we're kind of Halo nerds. So. Yep. Yeah, so if you ever wanted to know what the hell was going on in Halo 4 uh, but didn't want to read the Forerunner books, keep an eye out for that one. I will go into enough detail without 
getting into the, wow, isn't the grass so green? Look at the way it sways. So you'll have a, a general idea of who the fuck the Didac is. <laughs> oh, great. Since they don't explain that in the fucking game. Oh, man, I know. <laughs> it's such it's so awful. Like, in Halo 1, they, like, talk about, like, uh, like the library and, like, the oracles and stuff and they just give you enough information they give you like a name that kind of gives you an idea of what's going on or they say it seems like it's some sort of a map you're right like we're going to the silent cartographer and then you get there you're like i don't know what the fuck this is and then cortana's like it looks like it's a map of the installation okay like cool boom. easy enough or you know gotcha oracle sounds like a thing that has a lot of information makes sense didact don't know what that means. that's not a word <laughs> <laughs> i got nothing you're not gonna tell me anything about him he looks like some sort of creature he calls himself a god i don't know what that i don't know what to do with this <laughs> guess i'll kill it <laughs> yeah yeah well that's gonna be a fun one i can't wait to do halo 4 uh yeah please enlighten me <laughs> i think halo halo reach halo 4 and halo 5 are gonna be the best ones because they're all the ones by 343 industries <laughs> yeah oh and halo ODSD. <sighs> i forgot we're doing that one too God <laughs> halo <it>. spartan assault <laughs> no no nope, i draw the line we're not there. doing that one we're not doing that i didn't no. i don't think i even played that game i'm not i i played it for 10 minutes and went this game is trash <laughs> anyway um so yeah that's what you guys got to look forward to as for the social media plugs twitter facebook uh, utter dissent is the name uh, if you want to check us out please engage i will engage back if i see people actually commenting or saying anything as for where to find us all the places uh primarily we're on podbean but we're also on itunes spotify spreaker stitcher um yeah and with that i think we are all wrapped up and we will catch you guys next time yeah sounds good <laughs>